0: I'm so glad this day is here. Uh, I'm going to start with a question, kind of get us all warmed up this morning. And my question is, between when you woke up this morning and this moment, have you already worried about something today? And you can think about that for a second. Uh, I'm seeing some nods. I'm seeing some yeses. Okay. So I've got the right group. I've got the right crowd. Some of you are like, oh gosh, I could have slept in, it's Memorial Day weekend, I don't worry, I'm not a worrier. If that is you, if you have conquered that in your life, that's awesome, but there are people around you, I guarantee that worry. So, jot a note down, jot a quote down, something, and take it and give it to that person you know that does struggle with worry. Good news for worriers today, that is what we are talking about. So, true confessions, true confessions. I worried all weekend. I had to fight it. Here I am knowing I'm coming up here to tell you guys good news for worriers. And I was worried about this message like all weekend. And I was with my kids and I was trying so hard not to worry, but I was a little worried. And this is kind of what happens. So available to us all the time, every day, doesn't matter, morning, night, 3 a.m., Worry is available to us, right? If you're a parent, when you have that new baby, we were just holding our new grandson, and you worry. You worry, are they breathing? Right? You worry, are they choking? Are they too close to the coffee table? And then as they get a little older, you worry, will they be able to make friends? Will they be able to learn to read? Oh my gosh, what if they're behind in math? And then they get a little older and a little older, and then they become teenagers. And the worry changes, and we start to worry about ourselves and if we are going to survive the teenage years. Amen? Okay, so yes, so we worry. And then we worry about our health, and we worry about losing weight, gaining weight. We worry about COVID. We worry if I get the vaccination in three months... Is there going to be some unknown side effect, and I'm going to grow a third horn? (laughs) And if I don't get the vaccination, am I going to be the one? Am I going to be the one that gets it so bad that I'm in the hospital and on a ventilator, and we worry? We worry about money. Money is a big one. We worry about where we're going to live, job security, retirement. High school kids are worrying about their jobs, they're worrying about how they're going to pay for college, and how are they ever going to buy a house in this market? And they worry, right? And we worry about our past failures. We worry, oh, man. You know, I did so many things wrong as a parent, and now, oh, you know. And we worry. And we worry about the weather. Okay, so this weekend we're trying to be with our kids. Uh, We've got Micah home and we've got all the kids home and so we're so excited and we get over to Spokane and i get a text from sweet kelly shore who if you guys don't know i'm going to call him out this is kelly shore he's one of our board members and he serves this church like nobody's business he puts in more volunteer hours like out at that uh, our new church home just working all the time and i get a call or a text from him and he says uh, i've got some bad news One of the big water pipes broke and the water's turned off. Well, if you don't know, we just planted a whole bunch of plants in our new learning garden. And so we know it's getting hot, we now don't have water, I'm in Spokane, and I'm tempted to worry. Right, now, here's a good one. Some of you guys worry about snakes, spiders, sharks, In this particular category, I have chosen to worry about cougars and killer bees. Now, you guys might mock me for the killer bees, but I was telling Steve about this message, and so last night, he was kind enough to pull up a new article. (laughs) They are not called killer bees, they are called killer hornets. And there's literally a movement in Washington because we have to kill them in July, or they are going to take over. Like, it's an article that's in the paper. So, yes, I've added killer hornets, okay, to my worries. Okay, so you just got to be patient with me for one second. I have something very important to do. Yeah, it's going on. All righty, people. I got this. Okay, I got this. So here we are, and we've got our worries. And I've made the point that worrying is easy to do. Now here's the problem with worry. I was created for a purpose. I was created to be on mission. And I am created to climb mountains and walk through valleys. And I am created to love and to be loved. And I am created to have a relationship with God. And what happens is that every time I add a new worry, I start to put on this extra... And it keeps me from being free. It makes me out of breath. It's hard to carry around worry. And we were not created to carry around worry. It is not our friend. Worry can make us selfish. If I go, if I show up at church and I'm worried, I'm worried about the message and I'm worried about what I'm wearing and I'm worried about the person that didn't talk to me and the person that's mad at me and I'm worried about all the things that the pastor is going to ask me to volunteer for and I'm worried, and if I, then I'm inward-focused, and I'm not thinking about all of you, and how your life is, and what you're going through, and the things that you're carrying, right? Worry makes us shy away from opportunities. I moved to Kashmir, like, school in seventh grade, and by seventh grade, I hadn't even gotten the memo, but you were already supposed to be a basketball star, and I didn't know that, and so I was so excited. I wanted to play basketball. But then people started telling me, oh, you'll never get to play. Like, you have to be playing since you're out of the womb, or you don't get to play basketball, cashmere. And I was like, oh, okay." So I didn't turn out, and I didn't turn out. Every year I would go and watch, and it looked like so much fun, and I wanted to play basketball. But I was worried that I wouldn't be good enough, and so I didn't turn out. Senior year, I finally got over it, and I turned out, and I was terrible but I had so much fun. So don't let worry keep you from opportunities. Worry can make us mean. Um, If you've ever been waiting for the test results, you know, and like, it's a serious thing. They're testing you for something really serious, right? And they casually say to you, oh, you'll get some email in about three weeks. And you're like, three weeks? And you add some weight to this backpack. And now all of a sudden, You're worried about that. And so someone comes in and they say, hey, mom, hey, dad, or hey, whoever. And you're like, don't talk to me. I'm worried about my test results. And you start to have this this angst in your soul. Worry can choke our joy, kill our dreams, and steal our days one day at a time. Jesus has this to say about worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. That's what Jesus says. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Jesus is telling us to be bird watchers. I love that. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now, I want to pause right here and talk about that word father for just a second. When we hear that, in our humanity, we have a response. We have a reaction of some sort. Maybe it's joy, maybe it's grief, maybe it's triggering trauma, maybe there's a disappointment because you didn't have a father, but usually that word is very, it does something to us. This is not talking about earthly father. This is talking about perfect God. God that knows how many hairs every one of us in this room has on our head. God that knows us by name, our creator, he imagined us, we are his poem, scripture says. That God is the God that says, don't worry, I've got you. Jesus goes on, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon, who was a fabulously wealthy, wise king, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you?" OU of little faith. I always think, I don't know if you guys know what the little tiger lilies are. They come out in the spring and they're just this dainty little flower and their little orange petals curl over and they're just so pretty and so dainty. I always think of that flower when I read this. I have a story here that really illustrates this point. So Steve and I had a tradition when our kids were little, we quickly realized with three boys, four years apart, we better start saving money for school clothes because holes in the knees, stains on the shirts, always growing. And we couldn't even pass them down because they were four years apart. And you don't get hand-me-downs from other families because their boys are also putting holes in the knees and stains on the shirts. So we started saving and we did this thing where we would go to the big city for a weekend. We would get a hotel with a pool. We would shop, go to the hotel, sleep, shop, and then go home. Well... One year, and Steve's the shopper in our family, not me. I, I had to really, every year, kind of bolster myself for this shopping trip. But one year, we're, we go, and this is before Amazon, so you actually had to go into the mall, and there's just stores and stores everywhere you turn, and they're selling you perfection. They are selling you perfection. This is what you've got to have to be happy. You have to be the size of the mannequin. You have to have the $600 outfit of the mannequin. You have to have the shoes that match the outfit on the mannequin. You have to have the bedding that the mannequin sleeps in that is perfect. And you have to use the pans and the measuring cups and the beautiful bowls to put on that table that maybe people are going to sit out a couple times a year. But you've got to have it. you got to have the whole package. you got to be Perfect. And one year we were there and I was sitting there and I was so overwhelmed and I was like hopeless. I sat there and I looked around at this mall and I thought, I can never achieve this. I can never have the perfect kitchen and I can never have the perfect bedding. And I can, I mean, my kids couldn't, there's no way we were going to have perfect bedding you know, like uh, bloody noses. I mean, they don't tell you that stuff when you're preparing to be a parent, right? Just bought new sheets and oh no, you know? So you just kind of after a while, but when you're sitting there in the mall, it's just like assaulting you that you're missing out on this perfect life. And anyway, we left, and um, of course my boys were all oblivious to this. This was my own personal trauma. So the next year it's time for the shopping trip again, and I'm recognizing I don't want to go. And so I pray about it. And oh my God, I just, I don't want to feel like a fish out of water again. I don't want to be assaulted with this, this ideal that I can never achieve. And I just prayed, left it. And a couple days later, I got a bag of hand-me-downs from my sister-in-law, who got them from a friend. And I'm going through the bag, and I pull out this dress. And I love this dress. I mean... I loved it, like I could have never gone through the whole entire mall and found a dress I loved this much. And I put it on, it fit perfect, it matched my boots, and I was like, I'm going to the mall. And I'm dressed by the king. And I felt so good, and I went into that mall and that shopping trip feeling like a million bucks. Here's the cool thing, Eli and I were leaving one of the stores, and this lady that honestly was dressed, she had spent a lot of money. And she stopped me and she goes, excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you, but where did you get that dress? (laughs) Now, how many of you think I told her out of a hand-me-down bag? (laughs) I didn't. I don't know what I told her, but I'm pretty sure I did not tell her that. Okay, Jesus goes on to say, do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So we're going to pause here for a second because Jesus is differentiating between two groups of people. He's differentiating between the pagans and the people that he's talking to. So who were the pagans? The pagans were people that had not put their trust in the one true God. They had many gods. They had the God of Monday, the God of Wednesday, the God of the weather. And they were just basically left on their own to strive and try to control and try to provide for their families. And they didn't know the one true God. And then there was the other group of people that trusted in the one true God. Some of us say that we trust God and we want to trust God. But some of us confessed this morning that we're carrying a backpack. We say we trust, we want to trust, but do we really trust in a good God? Jesus is talking to us, and he says this. He says, instead of being like the pagans and just running and striving and trying to control and trying to figure it out in your own strength, instead, seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Well, do any of you guys read this and go, huh? Okay, seek first his kingdom. What is his kingdom and his righteousness? We get a few clues from England and Disney movies. Okay, we have a little bit of an idea of royalty, the king, the queen, you know, and then their people, right? They have their kingdom. Stephen Janice could probably give us a whole lesson on this. I don't know the lesson, but I have enough to imagine a king over his people, and he is all-powerful. He is in power, and you don't cross the king, right? And you do whatever the king, and the king is responsible for making his people happy and making sure that his kingdom is well taken care of. And so this is saying, seek first. So don't try first to do it in your own strength. First to figure it out on your own, and then turn to God. It's saying, no, seek first the king, God, and his righteousness. Now, what does his righteousness mean? I have to use a word that we don't like. His rules his way. And believe it or not, God does have rules. And I don't like rules. I really don't. I tend to make up my own rules. But this is saying, seek God in his way. So a lot of us in this room say that we're followers of Jesus. So we would say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Well, Jesus did exactly this. He sought first every day the king and his righteousness. Jesus did that on the daily. And here's the crazy thing. Jesus knew that there was a cross that he was going to die on. He knew he was going to be persecuted and whipped and tortured and falsely accused. He knew it. And yet he did not walk through every day worrying, carrying the pack. Instead, he sought the king. Every day he sought God, and he did what God had for him for that day. He could have said, oh, hey, disciples, hey, inner circle guys, come here. Hey, I already know the plan, and there's some people and they're bad people, and they're going to try to kill me. So we're going we're gonna to create this team, and you guys are going to be my army, and you're going to surround me, and you're going to protect me, and you're going to fight for me, and we're going to have a strategy and a plan. But Jesus didn't do that. He knew what was coming, and he still just lived one day at a time, living out what the king had for him that day. So if we're carrying this... Even though we say, I trust God, even though we say, God is my King, God is my Abba Father, but we're still carrying this worry around. This is where we've got to shift. We've got to jump tracks. And one of these might apply to you. Maybe we have to shift from doing it our way to doing it the King's way. Maybe we have to shift from our solution, right? We're really good at coming up with solutions for the problems, right? I mean, we can, you give me a problem, I'm going to give you a solution. But maybe we should seek the king's solution. Maybe we should shift from people pleasing to pleasing the king, living to an audience of one. Maybe we need to shift from living in our past failures to living in the king's forgiveness. That line is for somebody this morning. Shifting from living in past failures to living in the king's forgiveness. Maybe we have to shift from seeking our version of success to seeking the king's version of success. This one's huge, right? Our version, white picket fence, 2.5 children, the dog, you know, we're all successful, retirement at 50, cabin on Lake Chelan, boat on Lake Chelan, right? The camper for when we really want to get adventurous. And, And we have this plan, but what is the king's plan? What is his version for success? We need to shift from making and following our own rules to following the rules of our king. Sometimes we worry and we carry fear because we're ruling our own kingdom. We say we trust God. We believe in God. I don't doubt that. We, we believe in God. But there's a difference between believing him and trusting in his goodness. And when we find ourselves making our own rules, let me give you an example. Sometimes I get up really early in the morning. I'm not going to say what time because the pheasants will make fun of me. But I get up really early in the morning and I drive to Wenatchee to go to the gym. And there's nobody out there. And so sometimes I might go a little faster than 55 miles an hour. But in my world, in my kingdom, if there's a policeman behind me, I go 55 miles an hour. I make my own rules. And if you're somebody that's like, oh, Stephanie rules, you lost me. Uh, mm, Don't tell me I've got to follow the rules of God. Oh, those rules, those those are full of judgment and yucky stuff. Just think about stop signs. We need them. We need to shift from chasing our desired future to the future the king has designed for us. Jesus had a future designed for him by God, and it involved suffering, being falsely accused, being beaten and tortured, and death. And yet Jesus still submitted, came under the rule and the plan of the king. Three days later, God raised him up. We have to trust the goodness of God even when we can't see it, Worrying about bad things happening doesn't stop them from happening. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has done a study. This is very interesting. They found that the average American eats 1,196 pounds of food every year. That's a lot of food. Now imagine that you are put in a room with your 1,196 pounds of food and you are told to eat it might be a little overwhelming, right? We're trying to imagine how much food that would be. We're all trying to figure it out in our head. But imagine you're told to eat it. Well, you would be overwhelmed, but you will eat that much food in a year. You just don't do it all at once. You do it day by day. Jesus tells us the same thing. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right, All these things in here, most of them were worries about tomorrow. They weren't worries about today. But if we start taking and worrying about the things that are coming, if Jesus had done that, you know, imagine if Jesus said to his disciples, oh, you guys, I'm just so worried about the cross today. You guys go out and heal. Like, I just, I'm just really worried. I mean, legitimately, he had reason, right? The cross, oh, my goodness. And yet he didn't do that. He didn't live that way, and neither should we. There's a letter uh, in the Bible written by a man named Peter. And Peter was one of Jesus' guys. He hung out with Jesus on the regular. And he is writing a letter to a group of people that have pledged their allegiance to Jesus. So they have said, Jesus, we are in. We are your followers. We love you. We believe you. We believe you're the son of God. We believe you're coming back. And they, have, they had made that very public. Well, they were being threatened with persecution this pack's getting a little heavy. Um, they had been threatened with persecution. And the persecution they were threatened with wasn't just my neighbor's not going to talk to me. It was we are going to drag you out of your house. We are going to beat you. We are going to put you in jail or possibly even on a cross. That's what they were facing. So we can give them a little grace, right? Worrying about that seems kind of legit. And this is what Peter says to these Christians. He says, humble yourself, humble yourself under God's strong hand, and in his own good time, he will lift you up. If we think about Jesus, hours before Jesus went to the cross, he did exactly this. He got down on his knees and said to God, God, I don't want to die on that cross if there's any other way. But God, not your will, but my will be done. And we know that God allowed his death, God allowed his crucifixion, but three days later, in God's timing, God lifted him up. Peter goes on to say, you can throw the whole weight, getting heavy, the whole weight of your anxieties upon God, for you are his personal concern. If you get nothing else out of this morning, get this. You, every one of you, me too, we are God's personal concern. And if God is concerned about us, he is good and loving and kind and he wants the best for us. Therefore, we do not have to live in fear and anxiety. We can trust him because he is good and he sees us. God can handle the backpack. Thank goodness I'm going to take it off. Hang on. Okay, God can handle the backpack. I have one more story for you. Lots of stories this morning because this this has been my battle. And so I have lots of testimonies of God's faithfulness. When I was 23 years old, this is what my world looked like. I was married to Steve, who was young and ambitious and full of zeal for the kingdom of God and was working 40 to 60 hours a week. We had a new baby. I was going to school at Central and Ellensburg five days a week, commuting back and forth every day. We had a lot going on. And I had back pain. I had terrible, terrible back pain all the time. It never left, and it was just this ache. I mean, I would just walk around, like, literally, sometimes if you walked into my house, you'd just find me like this. Because that was the only way I could get relief, is if I was just hanging like that. I had been to the doctor. They had done every test. They had poked me, prodded me. I literally had exploratory surgery and let these people cut me open to figure out what is going on with this girl and nothing. I was a big mystery. Um, So this is going on. I am not fun to live with. My mother doesn't even really love me at this point. I'm just angst. And my mom calls me one day, and she says, Steph, there's going to be this healing service at church. You should go. Okay, so I'm 23. At this point, the only healing service I've ever seen is on TV. And it looked freaky and scary, and I'm thinking, no way. My church background was more of go to church, sing three songs out of a book, and then have a sermon, and then go home. So healing service really, oof. But I talked to Steve, and I was so desperate. And Steve's like, no, really, you should go. I go, okay. So I sneak in the back. I'm late. I sit in the back, and it's kind of dark, and I'm I'm watching. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? And there's this guy up in the front like this. And all I can say to give you a visual is 80s used car salesman. (laughs) Cheap suit gold chains and he is selling healing and he is preaching and selling healing and doing you know the whole and i'm just sitting in the back like oh my gosh and this is my thought so my thoughts go this way and my thought is over my dead body am i ever going up for healing god sends a thought back oh stephanie god said to me you are willing to go to complete strangers, be poked, prodded, and cut open, but you are not willing to come to me. I'm like, God, that is not you. That can't be you. (laughs) Really? Really? So I sat there, and I did battle, and I knew obedience was to go forward and to be prayed for. I knew it. Finally, I got up the courage, and by this time, he's got this row of people all the way down here, And uh, he's down there and he's praying, praying, praying. Again, I have no, like, anything other than what I can touch and feel and see faith experience. And as he's getting closer to me, I'm starting to get warmed from head to toe. And I'm freaking, honestly, freaking out. I'm like, what is happening? And I'm looking around and everybody else seems fine. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening? And then I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm being healed. So, he puts his hand on my forehead and he says, "God, I just pray for this woman and for her back pain." He doesn't know me. How does he know I have back pain? So it's getting weirder and weirder. Okay. So, he prays for me. He moves on down the line. Now I'm getting a stomach ache. And I mean, it is a stomach ache like someone has grabbed the inside of my guts and is just squeezing. And I'm like and Then I'm thinking, "Okay, maybe I was right. Maybe he's from the devil." And so I go and sit down by my stepdad, and he's like, were you healed? Were you healed? You know, my whole family's praying for my healing because I'm just cranky all the time. I'm like, no, now I've got a stomachache. He's like, well, you got to go. You've got to go back up there. <sighs> I mean, what do I have to lose? So I go back up there, and by this time, you know, people are kind of in little areas around the church praying for each other. Worship is happening. Pa- Pastor Paul's clanking on the piano and just worshiping. And so I kind of go stand by this used car salesman as he's praying for somebody. And then he gets done, and I say, You know, you prayed for me, and now my stomach is even worse. And he said, I'm going to ask you a really weird question. And I go, Oh, okay. And he said, When you're worshiping God, do you ever put your hands in the air like this? No. That was easy. Nope, I do not do that. Weird people do that. And he says, well, you might want to try it. And he said, for a lot of people, that is a physical surrender. It is saying to God, God, I am fully surrendered to you. And he goes, you know, it will probably be a little bit hard for you. And then he just walks off. <sighs> and I'm like, what, what was I thinking coming here? So, but I, Paul's leading worship, and so, you know, we're, we're worshiping, and I start worshiping. And. It's this... oh, I can't do it, you know, and it was just this weird thing, and I don't know why it was so hard for me, but eventually it got my arms in the air. And honestly, the best moment of my whole walk with Jesus happened in this moment. All of a sudden, I was completely enveloped. All I can explain it is the felt presence of God. That's the only words that I can find. It was joy-filled, hope-filled, love-filled, peace-filled, and it just enveloped me, and it was so, so good. And I just stood there, and I just received just this ministry of God's spirit to me. And then the Holy Spirit very simply said to me, Stephanie, your fists are clenched. You are trying to control your life. You are trying to be perfect by the world's standards. You are trying to please man, and that is why your back hurts. That was it. And it was so gentle, and it was so kind, and it was so easy. And in that moment, I learned good news for warriors. I learned what the good news is. And the good news is is that God is very real. He is very much active in our lives today. He cares deeply for each of us individually. And he will meet us where we're at. And he will walk us through whatever we're going through. And he will teach us. And he will guide us. And he doesn't teach and guide in condemnation. He never said to me, Man, Steph, you've been in church for how many years? Get your life together. Why are you trying to be perfect? Don't you know? Every person's a sinner. What are you, you know? No, it was gentle, sweet unclench your fists. One of the things that I think, especially when we're young, we so worry about this picture of perfection, and I really had to let go of that and and trying to control my life and trying to control Steve's life and our our children's lives and everybody else's lives. I had to unclench that and let go of that and trust God with it. One of the ways that God meets us in our worry is through the Holy Spirit, and that's what I just shared with you. And that's, I'm not saying that every time we raise our hands, that's going to happen. God works individually and uniquely in each of our lives. Your experience, your faith journey with God is uniquely designed for you, and yours is going to be different than mine. There is no formula. God doesn't work in formulas. If you read the scripture, every story is different but that's how God met me with his Holy Spirit. There's another way that God meets us in our worry. There's another letter in the Bible called Galatians, and Galatians was a letter that was written to many churches. And there's this one line, this one verse, and it says this, Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Remember how we talked earlier about the fact that God has rules? We think of the do nots. But this is one of God's rules. Share each other's burdens. It's kind of different than how we think of God's rules. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So here at Christ Center, we've done a couple of things to facilitate this ability to share each other's burdens. If you haven't already heard about Alpha, I'm going to tell you again, a lot of us are doing it. But every Tuesday night, we're here in this room. There are tables all over the room. There's Free dinner over against this wall, and we come in at six. We get our food, we sit down with our children. There's free childcare. We all eat together. The kids go back in the back, they're well taken care of. And then we sit and we watch a movie about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. And then we, it's like a 20 minute video, and then we discuss it. And we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. But we discuss and we encourage each other. And the goal is that we're getting to know each other and we're connecting in a deeper way than we can do here on Sunday mornings. So that we can share each other's burdens and help each other and carry each other's burdens. The other thing that we're doing right now here at Christ Center is after service, we have people up here that are willing to pray with you. That want to pray with you. That want to help carry your burdens. Um, This morning, it's uh, Don and Jan Leach, if you guys will wave. They will be up here after service, and they're just available. You can tell them what your worry is. You don't have to tell them, you know, but they will pray for you, and they will help you carry that because we were not created to carry that backpack alone. We were created to share the weight and share the burden and help each other. Each day has trouble. I don't have good news for you there. Trouble happens. But each day also has God. Will you bow your heads? God, you are the God of good news for us warriors. We are your personal concern. You know us, you see us, you hear us, and you are calling us To daily trust you with those things that threaten to rob us of our daily significance. God, please help us to trust you instead of trying and trying and trying in our own strength. Please help us to seek you first instead of chasing our own fixes. In Jesus' name, amen. There's this final quote that I want to share with you. I don't know who the original author of it was, but it says this. The way you always find the light in the dark is you make your hands reach out. So if you are clenching, if you are worried, if your fists are clenched and you're trying in your own strength to control your life and you're worried about all the, I mean, there's so many things to worry about, right? Instead of taking those on, unclench your fist and reach your hands up to the King of Kings. If you would stand with me, we are gonna sing a song by Lauren Daigle called Hold On To Me. When I first heard this song, to me it was this prayer to the King of Kings from his daughter or son, saying, God, we need you. So I just encourage you, and I encourage you this morning to maybe make an act of surrender that you've never made to God before. If you've got some big worry that you're carrying this morning, I challenge and encourage you to give it to him.